All right, Willie. So the first thing I always like to ask people is, is when they think back to their childhood, what are the things that really stand out? You know, whether it's relationships, experiences, hobbies, influences, whatever, what are the things that stand out to you when you think back to your childhood? Um, when I think back to my childhood is I think of a lot of like, you know, I traveled a lot for baseball. Like I did like a lot of like travel tournaments and stuff. So, um, those memories will last forever, will last a lifetime. Like, um, you know, going to different states to be able to play baseball and stuff. So, I'm thinking that. And um, just the relationships I've built with, like, close friends from back home, I think that'll always last a lifetime as well. Uh, I'm still close with a lot of those guys. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking those two things really stick out when I think about my childhood. What were some of, like, those experiences playing travel ball? Because, like, I remember on my end – you know, just getting to stay in a hotel with like my teammates and, you know, we love the games and then love like the free time in a, you know, in a different city after the games to like go to dinner as a team or, or that, like what are the things you remember when you think uh, back to your travel ball experiences? Um, yeah, I think, I think the same exact thing, bro. honestly, like being that young and being able to stay in a hotel and, and, um, and hanging out with your friends always, always was, uh, was fun for me. So, um, it's funny how that how it's how being on the road back then is was was fun and now you're like oh man it's gonna go on the road this week so um, I mean it's still fun don't get me wrong but I mean it's always better when when we're at home now and we're in our own house opposed to you know laying in hotel beds. What pushed you to baseball? Why why did baseball become your thing? Uh, honestly, like I love other I love football and I love basketball more, but. I was always like way too small um, to play those sports. So at, at the next level, at least, I was always too small to play it in college, and always too small to play it in like as, obviously as a professional. So um, I always dreamed of being like a major league. Like I wanted to be a uh, in the uh, professional sports, like even, even if it was basketball, football, or baseball. But I instantly crossed basketball and football off after I realized I was too small. Because um, back in high school, I was probably like five five, like one hundred and forty pounds, so um, which is really small. So I mean, I think. And then uh, I really took baseball serious probably around like junior year of high school, and and realized like I can maybe become uh maybe become like a pro. So I mean, I think junior year of high school is when I like kind of like turned the switch and try to like really focus on it. So, you know, you, you mentioned your height and, you know, that's one of the beauties of baseball that, you know, you got players who are your height and players who are, you know, a foot taller. And, uh, you know, I guess you don't really have seven footers in the, in major league baseball very often, you, you know, Randy Johnson was close at six eleven, but, uh, it's, it's one of the sports where maybe not being the tallest, uh, doesn't rule you out to compete at a high level, but, I do know also that you know evaluators they like the the six two strong looking guy. So did you did you have to deal with that doubt from others, not necessarily from yourself, but others because of your height and and how did you go about dealing with it? Uh, yeah, I feel that I feel that um, for the most part I've always been like overlooked, um, and that's just something that like that's always going to continue to happen regardless of anything I feel like I've always been overlooked when I was since I was younger um you know I was never the the tallest guy out there I mean I didn't have the loudest tools at all so I mean I feel like 
for me, that's what's still driving to this day is I want to become the best at everything I do. And, and for me, I know that if me, like, working hard, if I outwork my opponent, then that just gives me, like, that much more uh, separation in, in between me and my opponent. So, I, for me, I just try to work as hard as I can every day and, and still and still do it. So, uh, I think I think just work ethic is the, is the key for it. All right, so growing up, uh, uh, you know, a lot was made when you came to the Rangers. You know, there's there's always, when there's a new person, it's like all these stories about their background and, and this interesting fact and that interesting fact. And one of the things that uh, I think stood out about you and, and, and you know, maybe some interesting facts, your dad uh, worked at San Quentin, which is, uh, you know, a, a, a jail for you know, not necessarily people who get pulled over for, uh, you know, speeding. Like, we're talking some serious stuff. So, uh, first of all, what was it like? How did you sort of learn about what your dad did? And, and when you were growing up, what was your understanding of, of what he did? Um, yeah, he's been, a, he's been working there for 20 years now. So, like, I think he has three more years until retirement. So, uh, he, he he's the one that, like, instilled, like, all my hard work in me. Um, you know, like, the sacrifices he's made, um, he's made throughout throughout my like upbringing, uh, is pretty remarkable. And like he's the one that that like like I said like instilled the the work ethic in me. Just because I've seen him work like sixteen hour days and make sacrifices, you know, for for me, my brother, and my sisters. Um, I see the sacrifices that he made, so it kind of it kind of put things in perspective for me and to what like he's he's like he's my biggest role model so um seeing the work that that he did the sacrifice for his family um only makes me want to do the same for mine so uh i think i think he's he's had a huge impact on my life and he's probably like i said my my biggest role model what is his actual role at san quentin um he started off as like a guard um which he was, like, on the yard and stuff, like, for the first, like, five or six years, I believe, like, he was on the yard, like, doing a lot of, like, labor, like, with the inmates, like, being out there, like, with the gunner and stuff. And now I believe he's, um, now he's, he's a lot more, he's a lot more laid back now, uh, since he has, like, 20 years under his belt. I believe he does, um, more, more, like, power work and, like, he's more, like, laid back now. He doesn't do as much labor. Does he get to know the inmates at all? Yeah, he does. He does. He knows a few. He he actually knows a lot. Actually, um, they respect him in there just because he's worked there for so so long. Um, he's been he's been he's been. Uh, I I think I think he like has some stories with a few inmates, but like I don't I don't really remember most of them. Uh, there's not any that really pops out. But I'm sure if I ask him, he'll have he'll have some stories. He he knows quite a few of them though. Did you okay? So there was a a part of the story that was shared when you first came here is that uh, you you went to spend a day, I believe, at work with your dad after uh, you were having. A, I think it was after your time at the University of Arizona, and, and we'll get into that. But but what do you remember about that experience and and how? How did that experience? What, what was that experience, first of all, and, and how did that experience impact you? Uh, yeah. Um, I wanted to go there just because I wanted to see like what it was like without having to be in jail. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to see like what they, 
like what they went through every single day um, without having to be in there, like I said. Um, but I mean, it's a, it's such a it's such a, it was such a cool day to be honest. Like it might sound weird, but I was there from like we were there from like eight until like three in the afternoon, eight a.m. to three in the afternoon, and um, I just wanted to see like what my dad went through. And after going through that day, I do not know how he made it twenty years through that because like <laughs> I don't know if I'd be able to make it another another day throughout it because it's just so much stuff in there. Like I said, there's there's murderers in there, there there's rapists in there, there's child molesters, kidnappers, like there's everything you can think of in there. And like I got to talk to like about ten of them face to face and like they're just wired differently in there, man. Like it's just the way that they the way that they think in there is is nothing like they think about like as a, like a normal human being like out on the center that's free. It's just it's weird how they think in there. But I mean, don't get me wrong, there are some guys in there that that are cool. But there's some guys in there, man, that that are just uh they're not they're not they're not wired the same as us. <laughs> they're not people that you want to be uh, interacting with regularly. Yeah, for sure. They're they're <laughs> guys you probably want to avoid as mo- uh, as much as you can, to be honest. <laughs> All right, so you go to the University of Arizona. It's a you know a, a pretty successful baseball program, really successful baseball program. Uh, but you end up leaving uh, pretty shortly after getting there. What what happened at University of Arizona? Um. All right. So it, a lot of, a lot happened my freshman year. Um, I didn't really, you know, I think I hit like probably like two forty with like no extra base hits. You know, wasn't wasn't the the best uh player i was probably one of the worst players to be honest uh you know i was still getting adjusted to like the whole like living on my own situation and i was 18 at the time so um there was definitely some immaturity gross i went through um sophomore year comes around uh i go there for my first the first semester and then i end up just uh i didn't i didn't really it might sound it's it's really bad to say, but I mean I didn't really go to class as much as I probably should have. So uh, I didn't do I didn't do too well um, with my grades that semester. Um, uh, Lopez Andy Lopez, the coach at the time, um, just released or not released, but cut me from the team. So uh, I went back home, and that's when I went back went to uh, San Quentin with my dad and went on that tour and. He was like, are you sure you want to come? Because at that time, I was like, I thought my baseball career was was done. And at that time, I was like, okay, um, I might need to get into a different, to a job situation. And at the time, I thought, you know, hey, I might follow my dad's footsteps. I might become a peace officer. Like, I, that's what I asked my dad. I said, Dad, can I go see what it is, like, for one day, like, what you go through every day? Um, and he was like, are you sure you want to do this? Like, are you sure you're going to give up on baseball? And I was like, yeah. I'm done with baseball. Like, there's no way I'm going to come back and play. Like, I just got cut by a college. Like, there's no way I'm going to go play. Like, where else can I go play? And he was like, all right, whatever. So then that's when he took me to San Quentin, and then I went through that full day. And like I said, um, I don't think I could have lasted another week in there. Um, I saw so much stuff that, like, scarred me for the rest of my life. And from that day on, I said, all right, I need to work as hard as I can. Um, to try to become a like to try to like get drafted and make it to the big leagues because there's no way I'm gonna be able to do like <laughs> to to become a peace officer because I was I would not be able to survive survive that um lifestyle. So and then I went to Yavapai at junior college and 
um, Arizona, and I wasn't. Um, one of my friends, Chandler Eden from back home, um, he went to Oregon State and then transferred to Yavapai. You know, he was calling me the whole time over winter break and saying like, "Hey, like we have a spot for you on the team. Like, do you want to come play with us um, at Yavapai?" And I was like, "Nah." I rejected him like three times, and then three days before the semester started, I called him. I was like, "Hey, is, is there still a spot for me on the team? Like, I'll, I'll come and play." And um, I was, I told him, I was like, "I've been working out like this whole like winter break. Like, I'm ready. I think I'm ready to to play. Like, I want to play." And he was, and the coach called me. Ryan Kugel um, said, um, "We can offer you a scholarship here. You don't have to pay for anything. Just uh, make sure you go to class." And I was at Yavapai, and then I went to Yavapai, and literally my my life flipped upside down within probably within that whole winter break because I thought my career, my baseball stuff was was done for good. <laughs> so I, I, that's interesting. I guess I never knew what took you to Yavapai. I, I guess I always assumed that you kind of had that fire and was like, I, I got to go find a place. So if, if your friend didn't make those calls, do you think you would have continued playing baseball? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I think I would have been done, to be honest with you, bro. I, I would have been done. I think I for sure, because I remember the conversation I had with my parents. I literally had like a two-hour conversation with my parents when I got home from U of A. Um, I literally told them I was like, I'm done. I don't want to play anymore. Like I'm so like mentally drained from it. Like I'm like I'm over baseball. Like I'm over school. Like I just want to become like a peace officer with my dad. And they're like, no, like we don't think you should do that. My parents are like. You should give it another shot, at least go to a junior college. And I was like, no, I'm done. And I was 19 at the time, and my parents were like, um, you're making an irrational decision at 19 years old. Like, we're not going to let you do that. And then they finally gave in and was like, okay, fine. Like, you can go with your dad and see how it is. And if you like it, you can sign up for the academy, which my brother just went through and passed. Um, it's going to be a six-month academy you're going to have to do. And um, I was like, I was like, man, I was like, okay, let's go. I'm ready for it. And then after that day, I just after that day with my dad, I just worked out and hitting. And I was reaching out to local junior colleges first, and they all said, no, 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 like we don't have any spots, we don't have any spots. And then luckily enough, um, Chandler at, called me three days before semester started, and he uh, said that the coach had a spot for me. All right, so, and I think uh, you made the right decision. Uh, it seems like things are, are working out nicely. Uh, you, you go to the Dodgers, you work your way to being one of their top prospects, and then in July of, what was it, 2017, uh, you get traded, and you go to the Texas Rain. Was it 2017 or 2018? I forget. 2017. It was 2017. Okay. So you get traded to the Texas Rangers. You grew up in that Dodgers system, and I know that to this day you still have a lot of close relationships with people from your time there. What was it like getting traded? Uh, it was mixed emotions, to be honest, bro. Um, obviously, going to California, I wanted to play for a California team, um, and the Dodgers took that chance on me. Uh, I made so many like great friendships. Like I said, I'm really close with half of that team still. Like I still talk to them every other day. Um. Like I said, it was a lot of mixed emotion just because, like, I was close with so many people over there that, like, I wanted to, like, the group that's up there right now, like, I literally came up playing with all those dudes. So, like, seeing the success that they're having now, I'm so happy for them. And, like, I, I saw it coming from, like, the 
from ever since I got drafted and started playing with them in 2015 because we were all together in 15 in, in high A and Rancho, and then we went up together uh, all the way up to the tri- triple A. And then um, to see the, what they're doing now is awesome. Um, but, I mean, like I said, it was mixed emotions. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I was happy because I knew that the Rangers wanted me. Um, you know, they, they made me feel welcome as soon as I got traded over. And, you know, now, I mean, now it's weird because now I feel like I came up with the Rangers and just because of all the stuff that I've been through with the organization that, you know, I feel like I can play here for the rest of my career now because it, it, it uh, Texas makes it feel like home for me, which is a good feeling. But I guess, you know, the the good feelings didn't always exist. Uh, you know, you, you had the, uh, the 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 challenging spring training last year where, uh, you know, you, you had worked your tail off to make the team uh, and, you know, you were told you weren't going to make the team out of camp. And what preceded that was this incredible pursuit to get your body in shape. And you, in a short period of time, did something that's a lot easier said than done, and that is uh, not just overhaul things physically, but you know you even talked about how you just you you were open to new perspectives and 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 changing the way you uh, you know you went about things. I, I think to make the changes that you made, uh, it, it can't just come from a coach telling you, Willie, you need to do this. Like there, there's got to be something deeper that resonated what was it for you that clicked that allowed you to to take on that challenge head on uh you know there's a lot of things that's been thrown at me like from the ages like night from ever since that u of a experience all the way up until now and like i feel like uh, my upbringing with my dad instilled me like i was so like i was built for all the adversity that i had to overcome um I think what clicked for me was in 2018, we were in Anaheim, Danny and uh, JD, we had our end of the year meeting that year. And, um, and you know, he just pretty much said there, like, man, you got to, you got to, you have to get in shape, man. At that time, at that point, I think I was like 225, like, yeah, I think like 225. Yeah, I was 225 at that, and when we had that conversation. And I was like, they're like, you know, you can't be a DH only at 21 years old. Um, you know, like, you need to be able to play the field and stuff, and you have to be able to move around. And I don't think being at 225 is the, you know, best thing for you. And I was like, I was like, oh, man, like, in there, like, and if you do be a DH, you have to, you know, you have to put up DH numbers. And at the time, I don't, I don't think I was doing that well. So I was like, I was like, all right. So it was just like a really like heart to heart conversation that I had with them. And, you know, I was like, man, I got to make a change. I have to make a change. Like I can't, I can't let this go away. And then, um, that off season in 2018, I really just, uh, dedicated my whole, my whole life to, you know, being a better person, uh, being a better person foremost, first and foremost, just because um, I thought I knew everything at the time. You know, I was always a top prospect coming up. So, like, I had everything handed to me in a way. I didn't really have to, like, work for, like, playing time or anything like that. Um, so, like, everything was kind of, like, given to me from when I was with the Dodgers and then when I got traded over. Uh, but then, you know, everyone was a top prospect in the big leagues. Everyone on the big league roster was the number one or two prospect coming up with their team. So, I mean, like um, – everyone's good up there. There's no one bad. So I thought I was able to, I was able to get away with it, but I mean, 
um, from 2018 to right now, like, I mean, I, I work as hard as I can every single day. I make sure I'm like really cognizant about what I'm, what I'm putting in my body. Um, all that stuff is, uh, has done nothing but help me. And like I said, it's, I've been through so much with this organization. I feel like I've been, I was drafted by them. I feel like I came up with them because of all the ups and downs I've had with them. Um, it, it wasn't a smooth sailing ride at first, but I mean, now I trust this organization with my life. Um, anything they say, I listen to them now. I don't really, I'm not really, I don't second, I don't question anything they say anymore. Uh, just because of when I did listen to them, you know, it, it was nothing but good for me. 2019 spring training. I, I, I referenced that. How important was that moment of, of dealing with that adversity uh, for your growth? Because the way I look at it, Willie, when when I think about that, you you put in all this work, you put in all this effort, and you you did it. Like whatever the Rangers asked, you did, and then you had that that opportunity uh, to make the team and, and they said, no, you're going to start in triple a. And it seemed like to me, that was the last part of the development. Like in terms of the transformation was all right, you, you did all this and now you got to deal with this adversity. It was almost like, and I'm not like a spiritual person necessarily, but it was almost like that was God's like final challenge. Like, all right, you're going to get this bad news. Everything you've worked for, for the last several months, and you're not going to get what you want. And it's now you're going to learn from that. Like that's that's the way I I, I remember kind of that unfolding and thinking about it. Uh, and I don't know if, if you kind of look back on that the same way. But how important was dealing with that final piece of adversity? Uh, you know, is part of your your transformation and your change to to really kind of recommitting yourself? Yeah. No. Um, man, that was that was so that was so hard for me. Um, just because. Uh, you know, Woody. Woody called. I remember the day Woody called me into the office. Um, actually, I think was it. It might have been um, Hector Ortiz or Beasley. They came and grabbed me out of the the cafeteria in spring training, and I was like, okay. Um, I forget which one. It might have been Hector. He tapped me on my shoulder, and I was sitting with Joey at the time. Me and Joey were having breakfast, and Joey kind of looked at me like, oh, like. Like, you might get sent down. And then I was like, ah. So I go in there, and I knew, like, the walk there was like, you know, like, when you're younger, you're in trouble, and, like, you know you're going to get in trouble. <laughs> like, the walk there, I was just like, ah, oh, man, like, I'm going to get sent down. So then I walk in. Um, Woody's sitting there. Woody's sitting at his table. Um, Beasley's sitting to my right. And JD's sitting to my right. And I sit down, and, like, I'm like, ah. Oh, I'm like, what's up? Like, I knew what was going on, but, like, I just, I didn't want to make it awkward. So I was like, what's up, Woody? And, you know, me and Woody are really close. Like, I talk to Woody like I would talk to Joe. Like, he's the typical coach you want to play for, you know. Like, the guy literally will do anything for any of his players. Um, So I remember Woody saying, the first thing he said was, you know, uh, I know this is not what you want to hear, but we're going to option you to, Nashville and the first thing that went through my mind was like I mean don't get me wrong like I blew up in the meeting and like I, I handled it the wrong way and I don't suggest anyone to to handle the, the option like I did because uh, it's not and nothing good comes out of it uh, but I mean I handled the wrong way I blew up I spoke my opinion um, at that time I was like dude this like I don't like I don't want to play 
like I'm not I don't I don't want to I don't want to do this no more like like I was questioning I was like why did I even get like why did you guys even trade for me if you guys are just gonna have me at AAA this and that and you know like Woody just sent the message he was like you know just keep on working like I know this isn't what you want to hear right now and this and that and um and that 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 whole thing I mean I think that was the final thing like I think. I was so numb to the to the to me overcoming adversity at that point that I was like, you know what? Screw it, man. Like I was I was built for it. Like I've overcame so much. Like I can't quit now. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Nashville even though I don't like it. I'm gonna work my butt off still. Um regardless of the situation, I'm gonna become like the best player I can if I'm no matter where I'm at. So um I didn't handle it the right way. Um I missed a few days of string training. I missed like 3 days, I believe. Um, I literally just like detached myself from everyone and everything for those three days. I didn't talk to anyone. Um, you know, I, I came back and I, I, I talked to Woody. I apologized to Woody. I apologized to JD for like the way that I handled it. Um, I apologized to like some of my teammates. I, 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 I remember apologizing to Chu and LV a hundred percent because, um, I know what Chu had to overcome. Uh, I know he spent a lot of time in the minors as well. So um, I apologize to him because I know like how much like it bothered him at the time and the way I was acting and how immature I was acting. So uh, it was a lot of stuff that like I had to overcome that like um, I thought I finally overcame it when I worked out that off season and like did everything they said. But I mean, uh, you know, got sent down and then I got sent down again that year. Uh, last year, I think it was was it June I got sent down. I, I forgot when I got optioned last year, but I got optioned again last year. And then, um, you know, obviously wasn't happy about that either because I, I felt like I was doing well at the time. But, I mean, I got called back up 10 days later. And then ever since then, I didn't I didn't look back. All right. So, Willie, you know, from a, a baseball standpoint, your hitting ability is exceptional. And it's it's why the Rangers traded for you and why they believe you are going to be a big part of the lineup for years to come. Uh, what is it about your hitting ability that you think stands out or, or, or makes you uh, special? What are the things you think you're able to do well? Uh, I think for me, um, what I feel like I do well is, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm able to, you know, hit for average and hit for power at the same time as long as, um, as long as, I mean, I feel like I'm able to hit for average and power without striking out as much as like a normal power hitter. Uh, I feel like um, I try to keep my my strikeout down to a minimum as much as I can, and I feel like I'm able to, you know, be a threat. I feel like I'm able to, you know, hit the balls to off field. Um, I feel like I'm able to 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 hit for power when it, when the time comes for it. Uh, I feel like I'm able to do all those things to to help our team win, and uh, I'm just ready to go out there and, and do it again. What are some of the philosophies or, or, or lessons from a hitting standpoint that you've heard or, or consumed over the years that have uh, really stood out and maybe been you know more uh, more beneficial than others? Uh, man, what what stood out for me over the years? Uh, I'm trying to think. That's what you asked, right? Like, what, like, what, what have I done that stood out over the years? Well, like, more like, what, what are you know? You've you've received hours and hours and hours of instruction, and and you know, certain people 
resonate with certain messages? Are there certain things that that were said to you or, or, or pivotal moments of coaching that allowed you to maybe grow as a hitter and, and have a better understanding of how to do what you're able to do? Yeah, I want to say, bro, it happened in, in 18 again, that off season, that same off season. I think it's when we brought over Louie, Krabby, and Berge, um for hitting coaches. And, like, for me, like, I've always been able to hit good, but not at the big league level. Like, I was getting carved up at the big league level. I was like, man, like, I don't like – it's so hard in the big leagues. And then that off season in 18, like like I said, like, I really listened to everything uh, – everything the coaches were telling me, so I was just like, screw it. So uh, I changed my grip. That was the number one thing I changed. Um, I started using the axe bat, which helped me out a lot. Um, and Louie and, and Bergie and Krabby, like, they're, I, like I, wasn't, I wasn't able to hit a low ball good, which for me, I should, as a lefty, like, you should be able to hit a low ball good. But for me, I was so good at the high pitch that I didn't really realize, like, how bad I was at the low pitch. And for me, that whole off season, I did nothing but work my, but work on my direction to the ball and and fixing my grip. So I dedicated that whole off season to working on that, and um, you know, it did nothing but but wonders for me. So I feel like that off season um, hitting with them, I learned so much. I learned so much about myself hitting that uh, that it helped me become an even better hitter. You know, Willie, one of the things that I've talked to you about is the success you've had against really good pitchers. And it's funny, you know, your first career home run off of Justin Verlander. And and you, you know, some people I hear in the clubhouse before games when Chris Sales on the mound or Verlander, Garrett Cole, they're like, oh, you know, I got to face this guy tonight or whatever. But you, you know, I'm sure you'd prefer to face someone who's throwing 90 miles an hour right down the middle. But uh, you seem to embrace those challenges, and I, I got to believe that that mentally is is a part of your success. But where does that come from? Why, you know, as a young hitter trying to prove yourself, are you so comfortable facing some of the best pitchers in the world? Yeah, uh, I've always been like that. Honestly, like I've always, I've always been the type of guy um, that like wanted to like prove people wrong. Um, so like I've always had that in my back pocket my whole life. Um, just because, you know, being told ever since I was younger, like, you know, you're not big enough to play football. You're not big enough to play basketball. Like, I doubt that you make it in baseball. Like, hearing those things over and over and over and over again, it makes you kind of want to be like, you know what, I'm going to just have to prove to you that I could do it. Um, you know, and facing those those guys like that, you know, you have to kind of embrace it instead of, you know, backing down from it because the more you, like, embrace it, the more you're looking forward to it. And for me, every every single time, no matter who's pitching out there, um, don't get me wrong, there are some guys that that kind of that that I face. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I might have a little bit of a rougher day. And for me, those guys aren't the same guys that like uh, other like the guys that I think are nasty aren't nasty at all to some of my teammates. Um, and and for me, I think I think I, I have that success against those elite pitchers because I like embrace it and like. I look forward to facing those guys that day, and I I, I really um, I try to have as much.